my cup. You got 21 glass? Yeah, look, hold on, let's ching, ching. Look, we can ching. Boom. Is that white wine? Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to a special edition of Dong City. Henry Maldonado, Vince Mercandetti, our very, very, very special guest, Dwayne Reeder, the curator, owner, founder, and everything of the Roberto Clemente Museum in Pittsburgh. Um, super excited to have you guys. Today's June 8th. Dwayne, thank you for joining us. Uh, Vince, are you ready to do this wonderful show? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, again, we've got a very, very special guest that Henry, literally since the day that we started this podcast, has talked about wanting to have on the show. Uh, we're here at Yudong City. It's Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, we are going to discuss, of course, a lot about the Roberto Clemente Museum. Um, that's the special guest that we have, uh, the expert of all experts on Roberto Clemente. And then, of course, we'll talk a little bit of baseball, too, <laughs> as we know it presently, which is not nearly as exciting. Uh, so we will get to that. But first, yeah, Henry, take it away. Why don't you introduce our, our guest and, uh, and we can go from there. Before I introduce Dwayne, I want to show you guys something I received as a gift today, which I thought was cool as hell. It was dropped off unknowingly to the person who made it for me what's going on today, and that's this wonderful maze face mask. <laughs> that's awesome. What were the chances of it? With the silhouette of the man on it, so this is pretty cool. Uh, Dwayne, I do have one of those in black and white, too. Yeah, maybe we could trade. We I do would. have Dwayne Rita with us. Dwayne, welcome to the show. How are you today? Thank you for having me on. I'm doing great. If I can be talking about Roberto Clemente, you know, that's my, that's my safe place. That's my happy place. And if I can be in this museum, I'm, I'm here by myself right now. Most people are furloughed at home. I have one or two staffers coming in and helping me. But when it's, I'm here and it's quiet, I'm in heaven. So thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem. I was going to say you have to be pretty, pretty excited about your, uh, your job to be in that museum at 7 p.m. right now. <laughs> uh, ask Henry, I'll tell you, I'm here sometimes at three in the morning with uh, the World Series win in Chicago Cubs or, or Albert Pujols or, you know, I've had, you know, a thousand baseball players in here through the last 20 years. And I've had, you know, uh, celebrities, uh, Hollywood movie stars. I mean, I was in here with Benicio Del Toro, who's from Puerto Rico, for five hours, you know, oh. having, a, having a little taste of the Clemente wine down in the wine cellar. So it's fantastic, if I could, I'd be here 24-7 if I didn't have to sleep a little bit. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you guys how I met Dwayne because it was, everyone who knows me knows my personality and it's a bit brash and it can be loud and very aggressive. Uh, so I met Dwayne, I have family in Pittsburgh, and I met Dwayne because I kept saying to myself, there's no way that there isn't a Roberto Clemente Museum in Pittsburgh. So I did some research and when I went to Pittsburgh, I don't think Dwayne had just, he was kind of in the process of getting everything together. The, the firehouse was still being rehabbed. And here comes this big Puerto Rican dude knocking on the door. <laughs> Dwayne opens up and says, what do you want? I said, dude, I'm here. I have family here. 
I know what you have here. I just want to see it. And he looked at me. He said, we don't do tours. Just, I'm still working. And I don't know if it was my charm or I had a kid, I had Jane with me, <laughs> looking like an orphan, but he'd he let us in. And he said, I can give you a tour for a few minutes. And if I'm not mistaken, the way, I don't know if you remember, we were there for over two hours. Yeah, yeah. I remember that hours. day. It, that was a good day. Exciting. I Look, I get chills literally talking about it again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've been back about 10 times. Every time I go, I, I harass Dwayne, like VIP treatment, like if the museum's closed, I'm coming, I want it open. And I'm there. <laughs> like, I don't have to be online with everyone else. But um, I've been there many times. Um, my cousin actually worked for Dwayne as a tour guide. It's my first tour guide. Her she husband did some work in the wine cellar. Um, and yep. Dwayne has definitely become um, family and, and, you know, friends of the family. So... Dwayne, thank you so much for everything you've done for my family. I, Randy, one of our good friends, um, when he went over there, you guys treated him lovely. Um, but thank you very much. And, and we're here to talk about the man and, and what you guys do at the museum. So Dwayne, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a, a commercial photographer that was lucky enough to team up with the Clemente family back in 1993 to do a calendar that was going to come out in 1994. Um, and before I go further, I'm wearing these white gloves because I'm going to show you guys a special bat that I don't want to touch with my hands. So just because I'm not a Michael Jackson person. <laughs> That's not um, Mickey Mouse. You have your yeah. Mickey Mouse going on. <laughs> or the, uh, the hamburger helper commercial. <laughs> yeah. Um, now you're talking. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a, I'm a commercial photographer, and I do this calendar with, with Vera Clemente, Roberto's widow, and the, and the boys, Luis and Roberto. Um, and so through this calendar project, I get to fly to, to Puerto Rico and I get to go to Clemente's house. Now, Henry, I know I'm older than you and I don't think you were alive when Clemente was playing, correct? I was not, unfortunately. Yes. So I'm, I'm old. And so I got, to, um, I got to meet Roberto in 1971 and get an autograph from him. Um, I'm from about 150 miles north of Pittsburgh and we would come down in the summers uh, to catch a baseball game if we, if our little league team you know got in the playoffs or something we'd get on a bus and we could come down so I, I got an autograph from 71 and I was a Clemente junkie growing up and the only thing I was good at was playing baseball so baseball was my life kind of like your your title your uh, you know your gig baseball, baseball life yeah. man, it was mine that's all I had um, and so he, he, it made a mark on me. He was really nice to me where some of the other pirates were kind of, you know, kind of shoo shooing me away. Um, so growing up with knowing about Roberto and then shortly after that, he, he dies. He dies in, his, in a plane crash going to Nicaragua on New Year's Eve in 1972. Um, so, but right after that, they did a story on him in the newspaper. Um, it was called the Roto section. It was like an insert in the paper. And, um, the, there was photos of him standing on the bridge up to his house over a moat. And, I, and when I tell that story here, I say to people, do you have a bridge over a moat <laughs> to your house? Right. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah. But there he was in this like incredible outfit dressed like he's, you know, the, the king of fashion, but on the end of a leash is a pet monkey named Teofila that he got in Nicaragua for the, for little Ricky. Ricky wanted a monkey. I don't know how that came up, but he said, Ricky wanted a monkey. And he, 
goes to Nicaragua, coaching the, the Puerto Rican baseball team, and he goes to Granada, and he sees this monkey at this restaurant that this guy had. It was his pet, and he said to him, he's eating there, and he said, hey, buddy, just so you know, when I leave here, I'm, I'm taking that monkey with me. And the guy goes, oh, no, that's our family pet, you know, so you can't take that monkey. He got the monkey. He uh, came home, gave it to Ricky, um, and there he is on this bridge wearing this cool outfit to that house that was super cool. And now it's 1993, and I'm walking across that bridge. Now, Roberto's passed, but Vera's waiting for me to talk about photography of this calendar project, show her some of the photos that I completed, and then get some items from the house to do the next six photographs. <clears throat> And I'm walking across that bridge and I just like maybe when you came here to the Clemente Museum, right? I'm knocking on the door knocker is a little baseball bat with a 21 on it. And I go knock, knock, knock. And Vera opens the door and we hug. And I'm not a hugger. I'm kind of probably, I was probably like this. And she's hugging me and she's like, come on in, come on in. And I just entered Mecca. I just entered the coolest place I could ever dream of in my head because I'm a baseball junkie and I love Roberto Clemente and now I'm at his house with his widow. And uh, when, we, when, when we go, we start, we start showing her the photos. We sit down at this table and I show her the photos and she's, she's loving my photography. So that always makes you, you feel good when somebody loves something that you're doing. And so she's going to edit those photos. And as she's looking at them, she says, hey, Dwayne, what... Uh, what kind of things do you want to photograph next? What do you want to take back to Pittsburgh? Well, I was born in 1961, and 61's his breakout year. That's when he goes to the big bat, and we'll talk about that when we get back to the bat stories. Um, so 61's his breakout year, and he's going to show the whole world that he's one of the best baseball players you know, in the league, and he wins his first batting title, first gold glove, and he's MVP of the All-Star game. And for, for winning uh, for MVP, they give him a ring. They give him a special all-star uh, game uh, MVP ring. So I said, do you have any rings to her? And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, let me, I'll be right back. And she disappears. And in the house at the time was a magic door. There was a, do a, a hidden door on the wall. It was a big mural. And she went and, like, hit a button and the door opened and she disappeared. And I said, well, where did she go? And, and her son Louis said, oh, never mind. She'll be back with, with something for you here in a minute. And she comes back out of that door with a, with a box, the World Series uh, wooden box from 1971 that the ring was presented to Roberto in. Um, but he never wore, so I opened up, he never wore the 60 World Series ring, and he really didn't wear the, 60, uh, the 71 ring either. So I opened the box up, and there's those two rings in there. And can you imagine those two rings are two of the, the best things in the world. And me being like a dumbass, I said to Vera, do you have any other rings? <laughs> can, you, can you imagine? Those girls, <laughs> she was in shock. She goes, what, what do you, what's wrong with these rings? And I'm like, well, that's just the two World Series rings. And I know the ring that meant so much to him was the 61 ring. And she goes, well, and she's kind of looking around. She's like, I, no, I don't have any other rings. And I was like, okay, well, are you sure you wouldn't have? And she goes, well, what ring are you looking for? And I was like, I'm looking for the 61 All-Star ring. And she said, oh, no, he, and now she's looking, and in their house, and big giant windows that face the ocean. And she looks out, and she goes, 
he was wearing it when, you know, and I'm like, Wait, what? He, I don't understand. And she goes, you know, he, and she's pointing to the window towards the ocean. He was wearing it when the plane crashed. And I'm like, and now I'm, I'm crying and I feel terrible. And I look and here comes, here comes a tear from her eye. So the minute I meet her, I make the woman cry. And from that moment, I told her, she asked me, why does 61 mean so much to me? And I told her it was my birth year. And I knew the stories and I knew that one meant something to him. And so if you're going to show a ring, he never wanted to touch the 60 World, World Series ring. He never wore it ever because he felt, you know, he should have been the MVP of the league that year. And so to him, he was, he was kind of a little bit cranky about 1960. And so going forward, he pushed himself. And that's why 61, he accomplishes the MVP of the All-Star game. And that, you know, he felt he was honored in the right way. Um, and it was incredible. So sorry about that long-winded story right there, but that's, that's now how Vera and I, we have this, now we have the connection, right? We're, we're bonded. And so I come home, she lets me leave the next day from Puerto Rico with over a million dollars worth of things. I brought both rings, both rings in the box. I had a full uniform from the sixties, a full uniform from the seventies, a batting helmet, a game bat, million million or so dollars worth of stuff and I just really had met her we did some business on the phone but I meet her that day when I give her the hug and she lets me leave that house with a million dollars worth of stuff and I'm coming off the plane in Pittsburgh and I'm looking around and I've got those <laughs> rings in my hand and I'm like someone's gonna hit me with a with a bat and grab those rings and no, no problems we, we photographed all the stuff we finished the calendar she came here and picked up um, the things after the, uh, the, the all-star game and everything was everything. And that, you know, we were off to the races then we, she trusted me because mm -hmm. I got all her things back. I didn't try to, you know, take anything or keep anything or sell anything or do anything. And then she trusted me and that started our relationship of helping her with photographs. Um, that's the thing that I noticed when I was at her house that all the photos in, in our house were getting wet and moldy because of tropical storms and hurricanes. And this is all the way back in 93 and 94 when I'm going down there before Maria, before, you know, this was after Hugo had flooded her house. And so I told her I would start helping her with photographs. And that's how this whole thing started. I started an archive of photos to kind of help her. And then I acquire a wedding album that was being sold of hers on eBay that was taken by the best man. And so I got that. And I, I started making prints for her um, and giving her wedding album, uh, wedding photos that she'd never seen before. And so that kind of, you know, started the relationship right there. And then we were, like I say, off to the races. So Dwayne, um, you mentioned Vera and how important she was. How instrumental was she to getting the museum off the ground and helping you and, and what kind of relationship have you had with her since? Well, her and I became, after that, we became, you know, very, very tight. Um, she, she, she called me family. We, uh, the day we started the archive, she literally, um, I took a bunch of photos down to Puerto Rico. This is now in 1996. And I took all these photos down. She needed some, she was doing this, uh, kind of like Clemente day in Puerto Rico at sports city. And she wanted all the big photos from the calendar. So I made her all these big giant, like 20 by 24 prints of all 12. And then I acquired some images from sports illustrated and some, some photographers and I made her prints of all these 
And but the the, the linchpin or the the thing to put her over the edge was these photos that you saw here of her with Richard Nixon in the White House. And those she had given me to, to make, try to fix them. And they were all wet and moldy and stuck together. And so I show up with those photos that I got the negatives from the White House to make all new images. And I got four photos that she had never seen before that were actually better than a couple of the ones she had. So when I show up with those eight photos for her and I made a set of eight for here at the museum, um, I show up with those and she was like, Dwayne, it's, it's like a miracle. It's a miracle. And I was like, well, it's a little, it's a little miracle. Yeah. And I looked at Luis and we're winking at each other. He knew the story. So that day she said, Dwayne, you're now your family. So in 1996, Vera makes me Clemente family. They had a paella dinner for me that night at that Clemente house. Cause I had my wife and my daughters and you know, it was just like an amazing, amazing thing. Um, and that then started the relationship. And I vowed to her that I was going to collect and get every Clemente photograph, negative, transparency, movie film, anything that I see, I'm getting it. And so now I'm probably up to about 3,000 negatives. 3,000 is a good number to maybe stop at, right? Yeah. Um, we have a lot, of, a lot of negatives here. And so all the prints that are in the museum we own the, the, the negative and, and the, the rights to actually then make a print and sell it here through the museum, which then royalties go to the Clemente family. So it's been a, it's been a great uh, partnership all these years. Now, as far as the actual structure of the museum, it's, um, it's a firehouse, right? That's been renovated. Yeah, correct. How did like how did that come about? Were you just searching for where you can put this? Like, what and specifically where in Pittsburgh is it located for those yeah. who haven't been there? So I'm searching for a new photography studio. I'm in 1994. I'm doing the calendar. The calendar's getting ready to come out for the All Star Game. So it's kind of an odd calendar. It's a 94 95 year calendar that comes out for the All Star Game, July of of uh, 1994. So while I'm working on the calendar and finishing it up and, and getting ready to do a display at the all-star game um, at uh, FanFest, um, I buy this building for my photography studio. So at that point, we're, I j just met Vera, just starting to see that she needs some help with photos, haven't made up a, you know, any decision to do a community museum. There's none of that's even, not till 96 do we, do we have the little dinner and start the archive. Um, so I buy the firehouse just for my photography studio and it's 12,000 square foot, um, historic built in 1896. Lou Gehrig sleeps here in 1927. There's a baseball. Yeah, I'm, a little now. I'm a huge Yankee fan. <laughs> and what's kind of crazy is, you know, 27 is, is 72 kind of flipped backwards, right? So Clemente's, you know, passes on set he gets his 3,000 hit and dies in 72 but in 27 Lou Gehrig the, the Yankees are in town beating up on the Pirates they sweep us in the World Series and that's murderers row with Ruth and Gehrig and so Lou stays here he, his best friend is a, a baseball player that hurt his shoulder pitching for the Tigers and came back here to be a fireman and uh um, so there, there, we got two players. There's only two guys in baseball history to bypass the five-year waiting list of the Hall of Fame. Gehrig's the first. Clemente's the second. So to have Gehrig here and, you know, Babe Ruth, it would have been a cute baseball story, but Gehrig is the perfect person 
to kind of team up with Roberto. Um, so I buy the building for my photography studio. I start renovating it and working on it. And there's no dream of a museum. That doesn't happen until the late 90s. And then 2006, um, Vera asked if she could do the Clemente family party here for the all-star game that's now going to be at PNC Park. So that's how the, 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 you know, the, the archive is rolling along and we're building on that. And now I start collecting paperwork and, and now, you know, getting back way back to the very first question about how this all got started. So by coming, be, be, befriending Vera and, and having her trust, the whole inner circle of all the Clemente fan, you know, friends and family now trust me. So if Vera says Dwayne's okay, now all Clemente's best friends that are still living at that time in the 90s now trust me and I could go to their houses and sit with them and talk and look through family albums and, and, and become friends with them and then kind of lobby them that, you know, that I'm, I'm going to start this museum and I could use a few pieces of paper or some stories. I sit and had coffee with a woman named Elsa Kulong for probably two years um, and had coffee with her every Wednesday morning. And then I would, I would shovel her snow. I would cut her bushes on the side of her house that was growing up because she lived alone and she's now 90 years old. And, uh, you know, I would do anything I could to help her to get one little story uh, of something Roberto was doing that was more secretive, that was kind of private. So I know a lot about Roberto, what he was, what he was doing with his friends and his family and going to children's hospital and telling children's hospital, you don't tell anybody I'm coming here. If you do, and the media shows up, I'll never come back. They kept it a secret. Pittsburgh center for the blind. He went there. 10 years straight, almost every Friday that the pirates were home and he would go and work with the blind kids. And he told the woman in charge, don't ever tell anybody. Cause if you do, I'll quit coming. And she never did till she retired. And she came here and told me a story. Wow. Um, pretty awesome. So there's a lot of things that people don't know about Roberto. He, 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 he lived the way he died. I mean, he, you know, he was living that, that way every day of his life. He was thinking, how could he make a mark? you know, on this world before he goes. And he was dreaming that he was going to die young most of his adult life. So he knew his life was limited here on earth and he wanted to make his mark. And he did. We're talking about him right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Cause I know Mickey Mantle also was the same way. He always thought he was going to die young. Um, Roberto. Oh really? He had that premonition? Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause his dad died young. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's two of the greatest baseball legends playing, yeah, yeah. Ra- around the same time. Uh, Mantle, obviously, yeah. a little earlier. But um, that's just interesting that, that that's, you know, the coincidence between them. But Roberto, obviously, kind of parlayed that into a lot of a different ideology with his life, doing all of this, you know, goodwill and charity and whatnot. Um, yeah. What, so, I mean, take us through, you've obviously got a lot of stuff in that museum and starting with that jacket right next to you. <laughs> What, uh, tell us, yeah, show us a little bit of the stuff you've got and, and if there's any stories behind it. Yeah, well, that's a good piece. And that's the reason I stopped, thought I would sit in front of this. This has been just a great piece for us. This was uh, the family, and, and here's the lucky thing about this whole thing. The family chose to sell pretty much everything they had. Vera's health was kind of going downhill a little bit. And they had a house full of memorabilia. And they, they, they picked Hunt Auctions to do the All-Star Game auction to sell some things off 
Um, and so for me, it was, you know, I had to scramble a little bit. Um, but the minute I saw that this suit was going to go for auction, I told my board members here and I told everybody I knew we were getting that suit. Uh, and I was lucky to tell Franco Harris, the great Pittsburgh Steeler, came through here and got to see that suit. And I talked to him about it. And he told me that that's an amazing suit. He had very, probably one of the craziest suits he's ever seen. And he said, Dwayne, go get that suit and I'll, I'll write you the check for that suit. Wow. So the good, and that was a great thing because there were so many items in the auction that we could get the golf clubs and the negatives of him uh, playing baseball with the kids in Puerto Rico and, and a bunch of little items that we were trying to get. So that helped me. Um, but the reason I, I'm sitting in front of it today is we, um, I put it on Javi Baez when the Cubs came here after winning the World Series the, the following year. Um, Javi was taking photos next to it. Everybody was taking pictures of him and he was posing with it. And he, he was pretty just like pumped. You know, and I thought, wow, he looks the same size as Roberto Clemente. And I actually go up to, I unbutton the jacket, I take it off, and I put it on him. <laughs> you like so, it after that? So, yeah, he was, he, he actually jerked a tear at one point. All, all the guys, Rizzo, Dave Martinez, they were all taking photos of him, and everybody just was, like, so excited. Um, and then they spent the – till three in the morning here that night. I was probably about 1130. And then about th three in the morning, we're downstairs in the wine cellar drinking Clemente Cabernet and, different, and just becoming like kind of close. And I could then kind of get, get some one-on-one -on -one time with those guys and talk Clemente, talk a little wine, talk, you know, talk baseball. Dave Martinez tells a story about the Cubs ready to lose that World Series to the Indians and Joe Madden's crying and the guys are all moping and down and, and Davey's like, I got to do something. I got to, and he rallied the troops and he's the one who, who's like, Joe, get a, get a grip guys. Come on. We can still win this. And they go out and win. So I got to be the fly on the wall and hear that story. It was like unbelievable. Um, awesome. Yeah, that was, that's about as good as it gets. That's one of those baseball moments, right? I didn't know that. I never heard that story. Davey's like, yeah, ask Joe. He goes, Joe, I'll tell you, it was me. Joe was like, he said, crying. Everybody was like, wow, it's over. And he goes, it's not over. We're going to go win it. Um, so then they do. And then that spring, we have the Cubs. We play the Cubs since we're in their division all the time. So right off the bat, they come here, and now they want to come back and celebrate with me, which was really cool. Um, about that time, I tell Eduardo Perez um, on, uh, of ESPN – about the story of putting the coat on Javi. And so he asked, hey, what, what day was that that he wore the jacket? And I said, it was September 7th. And so he started doing some, some researching and he sees that he's been on a hitting tear since September 7th. And so he's like, wait a minute. He goes, you, you gave him the Clemente mojo. He put that coat on and he's got the Clemente mojo now. He goes, would you let us borrow that suit jacket for the all-star game that's going to be in Washington, D.C. and put it on Javi. And I said, yeah, if you, if you reach out to him right now and he says he definitely won't wear it, I'm not going to give it to you and then cross my fingers and hope you get put it on him. If you call him and he'll say, yes, I'll bring the coat down. He says, yes, we, we, I, I was in 
believe it or not, I was in uh, Boston taking my father to Fenway Park for a, for his bucket list trip and uh, getting the red carpet treatment. And we were up there when the All-Star game was going on. So I had to <clears throat> send two of my friends, Coach Wilson, Mike Wilson, the baseball coach, and his son, Josh Wilson, who was a player. Um, they got uh, tickets and got hooked up there. They drive the jacket to D.C., and Javi puts it on. Um, and they're talking about it at Home Run Derby. And he's telling the story about coming here, coming to Pittsburgh, meeting me, and putting the jacket on. He's wearing a jacket, and a Topps baseball uh, card photographer takes pictures of him wearing <laughs> so it. So sweet. Yeah. So this has been – it just keeps going, and it's his real card. I'm not trying – you know, I didn't make this up. No, that's his, that's his, real, his real card. I don't know if the reflection's good. Wow. Um, and it's graded, by the way, graded a 10, if anybody's seeing that action. Um, so this for me now is, you know, he, he talked about the museum to the whole baseball world that night. You know, he, and then now every time everybody talks about this coat, they're like, Javi Baez wore that coat. You know, for me, it's gone, you know, almost viral. And, and many people have come to the museum because of that jacket. So that jacket has, has paid, in, you know, dividends for, for the museum. Okay. That, photo, um, so, that photograph that's uh during the all-star game wasn't it he was giving an interview during the all-star game yeah it was a uh, home run derby the, home run derby, right. the night of home run derby right i think right after he hit i'm pretty sure it was either right before or right after but i think he'd already maybe hit at that point um and they were talking about the, the baseball mojo and so now the word is out like the people that have come here and touched and you know henry i let a couple of players swing the 38 and 39 ounce bats that I have in the case. And so I've changed, um, um, trying to think, Jeff McNeil of the Mets went to a novelist bat after I let him swing the U1 38 ouncer. He switched his bat. He got rid of the knob and went novelist like Roberto. And then, you know, he's been a hell of a hitter. McNeil has been like on fire and ESPN did a story on him and interviewed him about his bats and his style of bat and that he changed it because of coming to the Clemente Museum. And I've got all kinds of guys. Here's a story that nobody knows. And your fans, this is the first time this has been told outside this building. So this is a baseball life, baseball life exclusive. Yeah. This is exclusive. This is going to get, hopefully, it made me cry. So I, I hooked up with the, the Nationals because of Davey Martinez, goes from the Cubs becomes the manager of the Nats. He loves it here. Loves, loves my uh, right-hand man, Manny Sanguian, who used to be his agent, which is kind of crazy if you think about that. That's a whole other story. Um, so the Nationals, when Davey lands here in Pittsburgh, he's like, I'm bringing a team. So we had a whole uh, exclusive night with the Washington Nationals. Um, I brought in two chefs and we cooked for them. Um, they brought the team bus. I had about 30 guys. Um, we spent the whole night here in the museum, telling stories, having wine down in the cellar, and, and I become pretty tight with uh, Ryan Zimmerman. And so we have a barrel membership here where you can buy a barrel of our wine, and the check is written to Clemente Museum, which is a 501c3, and so I have 30 baseball players in my club, and I've got Albert Pujols and Ryan Zimmerman and Ichiro and Derek Jeter and Carlos Beltran and Yadier Molina and Sean Casey, and it goes on and on. Rizzo, I've got five Clemente Award recipients uh, in the club. Um, so I become pretty close with Ryan Zimmerman because he is 
a very much like a Roberto Clemente. He does so much for charity. Um, it's amazing. And so what he says is, I'm going to buy a barrel of wine and I'm going to, you and I, we're going to give it to my mother when we come back next spring. And so I'm like, oh man, this is going to be unbelievable. He goes, my mother is a quadriplegic. Um, she has MS and that's his foundation is the, is the Zim's foundation. Um, and so it's, it's, it's to fight MS. And uh, he goes, we're going to bring her in. Uh, we're not handicap accessible here. So I told him we're going to pull the vehicle to the back door of the wine cellar, we'll open the garage door where I bring all the grapes and the barrels in and I'll have the stencil on your barrel and your mom can come right into the, to the winery and we'll, she likes Chardonnay wine. And I said, we'll have Chardonnay, we'll have the wine labels, we'll have everything ready and we'll have a little wine tasting for her. And he's like, perfect, it's on. We're doing it the Monday we get in, we get in on a Sunday night, we'll, do, we'll, we'll have her come over Monday. I'm like, perfect. On Sunday, Ryan gets hurt. They're traveling here. They send him to Richmond for rehab. His mom and dad are already in town. He calls me and he's like, Dwayne, you got to do it on your own. You got to do it without me. I'm like, no, that's not cool. That's, we can't do it without you, Ryan. So the guys, Davey Martinez and the guys show up on Sunday night. They come over. And so I said, I took uh, Mike Rizzo and Dave Martinez in the back and showed him the barrel. And I'm kind of crying now. And I was crying then. I was like, listen, guys, we've been working on this for a year. We're going to give Mrs. Zimmerman a barrel of wine. And you sent Ryan to Richmond? Are you kidding me? And they're like, wait, we didn't. We didn't know anything about this. Ryan kept it quiet. And I'm like, well, can't you just fly him here? Can you get him here? And they're like, well, hell yeah, we're getting him here. So they both disappear and they go, Davey calls him and starts talking to him. Listen to this one. He goes, no, Dwayne can do it on his own. If we're going to get to the World Series, I'm going to stay in rehab and I'm coming out of here strong. And it was like, so he's not coming. He doesn't come. I do the barrel on my own. I open that garage door. She comes in. I had the best couple hours of my entire life in the cellar with Mr. Zimmerman and Mrs. Zimmerman. It's time now to do the Clemente tour. She grew up in Pittsburgh. She loves Clemente, Willie Starchill, Doc Ellis, Manny Sangui, and those were her boys. That was her team growing up, right? So we wheel her around the building in the front door. She has a coronary she's just having a you know she's going crazy with the stories and all the we have the 71 world series room here i'm sitting in it right now so the couple of the best pieces are up on the second floor of the museum we can't get her she's in a special wheelchair i've carried people up with a normal wheelchair i can carry someone up the steps she has this big giant kind of quadriplegic type wheelchair that's motorized and it's very heavy and we can't get her up so i tell her husband Come on, let's go upstairs. I want to show you a couple of things. I think I got an idea. Upstairs lives the best piece in this building, Clemente Silver Slugger Award from 1961. I grabbed the bat. I opened the case. I put the white gloves on. I grabbed the bat. I bring it down to her. And I, she's a quadriplegic. She can't move her arms. I laid it on her. She said, Dwayne, and Keith is her husband's name, rub, rub, rub that bat on me so that I can go back to 
to uh, Ryan and give him the Clemente mojo so we can get to the World Series. I knew they were going to win the World Series. I freaking helped them get to the World Series by pulling out all the bats that the guys gave me. I put the bats of, of uh, Howie Kendricks and uh, Soto. Soto had given me a game. I had them all laying on a table. And those were the guys that were all like the stars of the games. And I'm, and I'm watching and I'm like, and look at Ryan. Ryan had a, a hell of a series, right? He was unbelievable making that catch and getting some key hits. And, and they win the World Series. Mrs. Zimmerman went back and Ryan hugged her and gave her the Clemente mojo. So that's, awesome. that's a baseball story right there. That is that a baseball is awesome. story. That's an awesome exclusive story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I did get goosebumps. I mean, that story ended perfectly. It was just the perfect all-around story. Yeah. Did they um, win the World Series? Holy cow. You mentioned the Silver Slugger Award. Um, don't you have two of them? No, just one. Just the 61. Is that the one that's dented? Yes, yes. That's the why, one that. Why is it dented? <laughs> um, now I got I'm gonna apologize to the Clemente boys because they kind of get embarrassed with this story. But but if you guys are listening, it's the cutest baseball story on the planet, and it's exactly what you guys would do. It's exactly probably what I would do. Um, so I'm in the house in '93, and I'm photographing three of the Silver Slugger Awards. Can you imagine three? There they are, three of them laying there on the coffee table. And I'm trying to get the best photograph I can. And the 61 has all these dents in it and it kept kind of rolling. And I had to get something to wedge it so that you didn't see the dents, but you could still see the information on it with a 351 batting average and his name on there. And I said to Luis, he's helping me and we're wiping him down, getting fingerprints off. I said, Luis, why is this bat all dented up? What happened to this? And he was like, oh, and he, you could just see he, he's thinking, uh-oh, I got to tell the truth. He's an honest person. He's got to tell the truth. He's like, well, R Roberto and I went out back and hit, hit baseballs with it. And I'm like, wait, what? With that? He goes, well, what, what else is a bat for? And I'm like, well, your dad had a closet full of wooden bats. This is a silver bat. It's hollow in the middle. And he goes, well, what are, bat, you know, what are bats for? And I was like, well, that's true. That's true. You got a point. I can't deny that. But it's the cool. They, you know, if you think about the time, the aluminum bat is becoming big now in the 80s and stuff, right? And so they're probably like, it's a metal bat. It's probably like an aluminum bat. Boom, boom. There's like five dents in that thing. But it's it's a piece of history and it's a hell of a story. And so all kids would do that. Yeah, definitely. Right? I, it grabbed my attention the minute I saw it. I said, is that dented? And you said, yep. And you went ahead and you told me that same story. So that, yeah. that had me going. Whoa. Well, I used to have it. If you remember, I had it typed up on the, on the case. And Luis asked me, Dwayne, is there any way you can take the sign off? You can tell the story here and there, but, but it, it's kind of embarrassing. I'm like, Luis, that's the cutest baseball that's, story. That, to me, that's what makes the story. The, the story makes the bat that much more, you know, lovable and more real. You know, it, it, can't, it doesn't get any more real than children playing backyard baseball. What a silver right. slugger award. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one click up from the sandlot, right? It's the yeah. same way with yeah. Babe Ruth ball. You, if you have something, if you have a bat and a ball when you're a kid, you're, gonna, you're using it. You're not going to stare at that like those two in the background there, right? You're, you got them hanging there. Nobody's hitting those. But yeah. if you were young, 
you'd be like, ooh, I could get that off that hook and go outside and hit him. I, that's actually, so the, the lighter one is from Cooperstown. When I went as a kid, I actually had two of them, and one of them I used in batting practice in my yard and broke it, and it cracked. So it's, it's absolutely true. Uh, as a little, we had to order a new one, but um, yeah, I, I ended up getting two from when I went to Cooperstown as a little kid. You have to know, is it, you know, can you, can you hit with it? You got to know. You can't yeah. Just <laughs> it's just, and it's different coming off a wooden bat, right? You know, it's just a completely different feeling and, and emotion. Yes. Yep, yep. Yeah. Is it your most cherished item in, in the museum, the silver slugger? Or like, what, what's your favorite? Um, it's up there. It's definitely up there. And like I say, I was born in 61. But uh, what about his rookie bat so we w let's talk bats for a minute because sure. i'm a bat freak he was a bat freak and you, most players are bat freaks mark mcguire when he was getting ready to hit break break the record he was so crazy about his bats i caught him in the in the uh, walkthrough from the locker room to the dugout and literally i was going to talk to him and because we were going to do this photo shoot and he was, he was wigging out. He's looking at the bats and he's talking to himself and he's going, which bat should I use? Oh my God, what bat, bat, bat? He's, he actually lost it for a little bit. They're crazy about their bats. And Roberto was no exception. He was, he was in tune with his bats. Um, and so um, in 61, he switches to the big giant knobless U1 model Louisville Slugger that was 38, 39 ounces. And so he's swinging giant bats pretty much at that time the only person that even hit anything you know any bigger was just Manny Sanguian for a year or two swung a 40 ouncer and I think he did that to just kind of give give it to Roberto a little bit and say look I got swinging a bigger bat but Roberto didn't always start out swinging a big big bat he swung a smaller bat and that's why hold on let me put my gloves on real quick um let's sanitize for this yeah this one here I don't want to uh um kind of wipe off any uh, DNA or any tar or anything that's on this bat. So, so he starts out in, in uh, 54 with the Dodgers and 55 with the Pirates hitting a, a, a knobbed bat. That's pretty much the standard model. It's an S2 Louisville slugger. And I'm not going to spin it. I'm not going to show you the front yet. Um, and it's definitely got some ball marks on it. This bat's from 1955. Um, anybody out there, does anybody know what his nickname was? Anybody in the comments, you know his nickname? Yeah, leave it. His nickname. We'll give you a minute. I'm not going to tell you quite yet. Yeah, they're on a little um, bit of a delay, so we'll see if anyone yeah. has that answer. And no, it wasn't the great one. The great one kind of was out there, but I don't know that anybody walked up to him and said, hey, great one. You know, and Bob Prince um, would say when he would come to a bat, you know, arriba, arriba, yeeha. You know, he'd try to get, let's go, let's go, Roberto. So he would say arriba wasn't really his nickname it was just a statement you know and back then it was speedy gonzalez the little little mouse you know uh, cartoon and that's how that kind of that reba reba kind of just stuck but it wasn't a nickname um his his nickname that was a family nickname and i get to show vera clemente um the moment bat for the very first time so how's am i good right there yeah yeah we can see it okay so for five years, when he plays from his first rookie bat to the 1960 World Series, he's hitting a Mo Moman S2 model. Um, 
knobbed 34 inch, 31 and a half ounce bat. Um, so this is the bat that he's using in his rookie year. This bat here was donated to us by Thomas Tull of Legendary Films. Um, this bat is appraised for $200,000. Um, so this is one of the best pieces in the building. Um, here's a sad little story. That it, there's a photo of a moment bat in our calendar uh, that came out in 94, and that I tried to get every different style Clemente bat there was, put them all in one photo. So I wish I had the shot here right now show you guys so it's it's an adirondack it's a couple louisville sluggers showing some different the knob in the top and and, uh, and a moment bat that a guy brought here we put the word out on the street that we were looking for any you know unique clemente bats an old timer comes to the, uh, to my photography studio with a moment bat at the end of the shoot he turns to me and says hey you were pretty excited about that bat would would you be would you want to buy it and I was like, oh, man, yeah, I would love to buy that bat. How much you asking? And he goes, $650. And I was like, oh, man, I don't, I don't have that kind of money. Maybe I could, you know, save up or something. Because you know, I'm, I'm, we're, we're doing this calendar, and I'm investing everything into doing the photographs because we're going to make money down the road. We're not getting paid up. You know, there was no advance or no nothing with it. So I've invested everything I had into the calendar. And so – he leaves $650. This bat's appraised at $200,000. There's about 14 moments that have been looked at from John Tobby of uh, PSA DNA. Um, so there's only 14 out there that we know of. So it's a very rare piece. So this bat right here, you know, smaller than what he switches to in 61, but probably one of the coolest things in the building and you know what a great story moment did you say it was appraised at 200 grand yeah wow yeah <laughs> and I, investment that's a pretty yeah that was yeah thomas tall he had actually he had three of them at the time he he gives this to the museum as a gift um i helped him get one of the other ones that he had and it was a noblest moment and it might be the only noblest moment. It was kind of right when Roberto's ready to switch and go to Roberto and go to Noblest. He had Louisville Sluggers sent him a couple samples, and Thomas had one of those, and it was so beautiful. He actually bought it for me, but when the auction house sent it to his house, he saw it, he's like, I'm going to keep this one and send Dwayne another one. So it was like this one of those moments. You see that bat, and you're like, wow, that one's a, that's a smoker right there. So he has two at home. I have a, a, a small story real quick that I'll share. I know, Dwayne, you have countless, 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 countless items at that museum. Yeah. And every time I go, I find something new that you told me was there the last time I was there, but I could have sworn I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Contracts to the, the, the four photographs in spring training that was uh, taken. So one time, and I don't know if you remember this, I'm a very outspoken guy. Anyone who knows me knows this. I go in and you had just gotten this piece and you were telling me, you said, I just got this. This is a beautiful piece. It's exciting. And you show it to me and I get very emotional. My hair stands up and it's the propeller. Mm. And you told yeah. me that you just got it. You were showing it to me. You could see the damage and I got really emotional and I'm not an easily moved guy, but that moved me. And all I could think to myself was, how am I going to tell Dwayne, who runs this place, that this is the worst 
location he could have it. <laughs> so do you remember where you had it the first time? In the center of the room. Soon as you walked right. in, that's the first thing you saw. Yeah. So I'm, I was excited and boom, I walk in and I see this propeller and I'm like, boom, and you're like great, now I feel like shit. Like just, yeah. the, the wind sucked out of me. And I will say, when I went this past summer, you moved it, and I thought to myself, "Oh, that's a much better place for it." <laughs> yeah, it's you know, you know, it's a big piece, and it's yeah. you know, where where do you put it? You know, and it it's kind of needs to be. It should be at the end because it's the last thing that's you know has anything to do with this museum, but yet we tell the story. You know, once we're talking about the angel wings image and talking about the beginning of the museum. And the, you know how this all happened, and then it's it's the evolution, and it's to tell the story of Roberto Clemente and why we're here. I'm not doing this museum because of that moment bat, and I love bats as much as anybody on this planet. Um, I'm doing this because of the humanitarian he was, and that just you know first of all, half of all the people out there that are Clemente fanatics and uh, pirate fans, they don't even think they found the plane they'll come in here and tell me, you know, Dwayne, they never found that plane. And I was like, they actually, they actually did find the plane. Wait for that part of the, you know, so for years it kind of made me crabby. And so I, I you know, I, I feel the need that that propeller has to be here to show that yes, they did find that plane. Yes, it was at the bottom of the Atlantic ocean, you know, and, and that gets us into that story. So it kind of needs to be up front but I'm glad it's not in the middle of the room. Yeah. And when you were here, it wasn't in a case. And you it could actually not, touch no. it. You yeah. could touch it. And people were I touching did. it. And that's when I was like, I got to get a case for this. The case that it's in. And if you want, you want me to walk over to it? You got, yeah, you why see? not? Please, yeah, please. I'll go over to it and turn the lights on. Yeah, uh, please. That'll, give us, that'll get me to stretch because I'm old now and I need to stretch it. <laughs> No, it's a, like I said, it, it's a beautiful piece, and it, it definitely stopped me in my tracks. And you can't tell the yeah. story without telling, you know, the, the end of the chapter of his life and how he ended. And to see that piece was was definitely moving. And, and the best word is probably scarring. Yeah. Okay. There, yeah. Hear it. Yeah, the case wasn't there. You're right. Wow. So the case, that case cost us, uh, plexiglass was $5,000, no, $7,000 for the plexiglass. And the base was about two grand. So that piece to put that in there, but look how it's presented now. And then it has um, uh, a story about, you know, the plane and there it is it's crashed in the San Juan airport before the earthquake even happens. Um, so for us to have that, you know, here and be able to tell that story. Um, pretty awesome. Uh, there's the Nixon photos with the, the medals that, that is. How am I doing with my film? We're starting to lose you a little bit. So yeah, we had an open Okay, maybe. Uh, how about that? Yeah, better. Yeah, we. You may not have as as great of internet back there. Okay. <laughs> right. So, yeah, the, the place is a bit of a. Oh, I'll go back where I was, maybe. 
I know right across from the propellers are, are the uh, the angel wings picture. Yeah. You want to see it? Do you get a, a lot of people Let that me, uh, take photos there? Oh, everybody. And hey, that leads me to uh, say we are going to build a poster. I'm going to move a few things here. We're going to build a poster of portraits of people. We're going to build a big angel wings with little people that came here and took angel wings. How's that? Can you guys see that okay? There you go. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, reflection. I love that photo. And Vince, I'm not sure if you know that that was an actual photo that was taken in the spring training. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I, and this is actually one of my questions for you, Dwayne. I've, and I've asked Henry this before, and we don't really have a good answer. You learn about Clemente's life, right? And, you know, you grew up yeah. being able to watch him as a little kid. You're from the Pittsburgh area. Um, I've never been to Pittsburgh, which is why I've never been to your museum. But um, uh, why, why hasn't his life been a movie? Like Jackie Robinson's, you know, not too recently was, or recently yeah. was. Like, why, why is that, do you think? Well, I know, I know exactly why. Um, so there's always been a problem with the script and like Disney bought the rights from the Clemente family back in shortly after I meet Vera in the nineties, uh, Disney sewed up the, the rights to do that story. There's so many people in Hollywood that have these Pittsburgh connections and love Roberto Clemente and they're all like, we got to do a Clemente movie. We got to do that he deserves a movie for sure. Yeah. And it's um, an unbelievable life. It's always been something either with the script that, that Vera didn't care for. She wants like, she wanted the truth. She just wanted the real story told. Don't, you don't have to fluff it up. It's a perfect story now. So all the writers always want to kind of make it their, their story, you know, a little bit. And she would never, it just never got approved. Disney had the rights. Then, then another, um, uh, production group had the rights for years. Well, Thomas Tull of Legendary Films, who who donated us the moment that he does 42. He did the Jackie Robinson story and then came here and said he's going to do the Clemente movie. He he grew up loving the Pirates. He grew up, he was a Pirates and a Steelers fanatic, so he loves Roberto Clemente. He didn't grow up necessarily being a Jackie Robinson fan, but he loved Roberto. So he did the movie with the Robinsons. It was a big success, as you know, and then went and met the family here, shook hands, said he, um, it starts moving along. Writers start writing, things start progressing, and then he ends up selling legendary films to the Chinese. And they ha they're now sitting on... They're sitting on the rights. They have a writer. They sent a writer here. I spent three days with the guy. I brought Manny Sanguian in. We sat here and, and he told amazing stories. The, the writer fell in love with Manny. He just was like, man, I want to do your movie next. <laughs> um, so they had a blast. He worked on, a, on the script for almost a year. And then just maybe COVID knocked it off the, you know, off the tracks. I don't, I don't know. It's, this is recent. This was just last year. Okay. They were working on it. So there's the chance, you know, the energy, Thomas Tull had the passion because he loves baseball and he loves Clemente. It would have been great if he was still connected. He, he's not anymore. 
Um, but will the, you know, would this new group that bought legendary films, will they try to get it completed? And I think they should, cause it's one hell of a story. Um, it's a sad, but a terrible ending, but an incredible ending. And we're talking about them right now. And then when you see that behind me and here's a, here's the tie in with that whole piece, um, about the time I've, I get up on the wall and we start telling stories about Clemente here, um, Oh boy, my, my I'm on low battery now, so I hope we I don't drop you. If I was to drop you guys, over and out. But anyhow, um, the Pope has been looking at him for sainthood, and look at that image with the angel wings, you know. And so last year, it, he was number six. They picked five people for sainthood. He missed it by one, but 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 you still keep going. So this year, maybe not 2020 now. How about 2021? Wow. Roberto, Roberto has a chance of being so. I, are you sure? be, I had right? no idea. That'd be that, incredible. That would be insane. I had no idea. That would, and that that could be the mass card right there. That could be the card they, that the church hands out. Look you it just, up. If you it just blew my mind with that. Be a great that's, way to end the movie awesome too. <laughs> you, you literally just blew my mind. And like Vin said, there's the ending to the movie right yeah, there. there. There it is. There He's it is. Literally, he he would literally be a saint. Yeah. So how about that? So that would be yes, the ending of the story. It would be a beautiful thing. It would put you know get Roberto's name out there even bigger. Can you imagine? I tell everybody, I'll have every Catholic from. This side of the Mississippi River and beyond, coming here all the time. It'll be a, a pilgrimage to the Clemente Museum. Yeah. And honestly, Dwayne, I think the Pirates organization could use it in this, in this day and age. That would be great, great press for them. It would be, yeah, it would be pretty awesome. Wow. Do you get a lot of support from the Pirates organization? Oh, did we lose them? 70 degrees in here. There we go. There's a good piece. I'll turn the light on back here. It's probably a little dark, but there's the golf clubs that we got from the All-Star Game auction. That's awesome. There. That is neat. Yeah, Dwayne, do you get a lot of Pirates players? Do they come in fairly regularly? or? Well, thank God for Francisco Cervelli, who, who him and I became really, really close, Thanks. now traded. Um, he would be, being the catcher, he's the Pied Piper for the pitchers. And so whatever he would do, they called him Poppy. And whatever he would want to do, they would, they would follow. And so he would want to come here and show them the museum and have a glass of wine with them and they could talk in private. So he brought over, you know, all the pirates at one time, but he brings over um, Jameson Tyon and Musgrove and Baralt and Trevor Williams. So it was the, the pitchers and they all joined in. Josh Bell, Josh Bell got a barrel. Adam Frazier, him and uh, Cervelli were tight. So those guys would all come over. And then I could sit and listen to those stories all night. We'd sit down in the cellar on an off day and go for hours and talk baseball. Talk, you know, it, it was unbelievable. So, the, so next time you, the next time you have a visitor, you call me and I'll just happen to be in Pittsburgh and I'll happen to be helping you in the yeah, museum yeah. that day. And I'll okay. hang out in the cellar with you. You could give the tour. You've been here so many times. I, you could I give probably, the tour. <laughs> so I know you, as a business owner, um, like everyone else, you're struggling and you're trying to, you know, 
stay afloat. So what, what are some of the things that you're doing um, at the museum to help you? Yeah. Um, you know, the main thing would be, you know, to get people in here to buy shirts and hats. And, you know, we, we make the, the Marucci uh, 38 ounce, 36 inch bat. Um, so we've, we've got some nice items. You can go to clementemuseum.com and check out our site. Um, and so merchandise for Clement. His battery starting to go up and excited, and uh, we uh, oh, yeah, my buddy Max just brought in a mask. Yeah, we got a 21 21 mask. So we're selling those. They got some cool stuff. That mask Um, I have, I have the 21 wine glass. We sell the wine glasses, or somebody into wine if you're into wine and you have a a company or 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 you know, a group or something wanted to get one of our barrels of wine. We're up to number 100. Josh Bell is number 100. He bought the money. Uh, he bought the barrel with money that he did. The Pirates wrote him a check for signing autographs. He got on a bus and traveled around and did all these signings, and he worked for it and used that check from the Pirates to buy his barrel to be my number 100 member. Um, Albert Pujols bought two barrels of wine, and he doesn't even drink. So a lot of people go, well, I don't know what I would do with all that wine. I don't drink that much. You can do. You can use it for charity. Uh, most of the players sign the bottles, and then they go and raise a ton of money for their own charities, and so it becomes like full circle. So um, you're saying I, we can get a baseball life barrel? Yes, and mm-hmm. write it off as a. It's a tax write off because it's to mm-hmm. the museum. You help me, I help you. We do that logo. You sign the bottles, and you sell them for a hundred bucks. And it sounds like a baseball life initiative. I think as far as. So I'd love to purchase something. I'm I'm glad I I'm glad you told me I could do it online. I didn't know if you had a uh, an online shop. Yeah, actually, I actually just bought a bunch of stuff online, which was delivered not too long ago. We will definitely plug the website in the comment section for sure. Okay, okay, and that helps. You know that Santorsi shirt that we have is our number two seller. I was wearing it the day I gave Benicio del Toro the tour, and I said to my wife. Whatever shirt I'm wearing, we usually sell that one when I'm giving a tour. And I was coming over here to meet him and give him his tour. And I didn't know that he was Puerto Rican. I honestly thought he was Mexican. And so I come over, I'm wearing that shirt. I said, I'm going to sell one of these shirts today. And my wife goes, yeah, yeah, you say that all the time, whatever. And so he bought 15 of them. (laughs) And I said to my wife, he got 15 shirts. And he took it and he was filming a movie here and he gave them to the crew members and he took a, sent a bunch to his family. And, you know, so things like that, you know, help every penny counts here at the museum, you know, uh, doing the tours, um, selling merchandise. Um, We're trying everything we can. We're trying to get a little more hip and get on Instagram and Facebook and do some stories. And so for our fundraiser this year, we're not going to be able to have, our normal 150 people here for the fundraiser. So we're going to have to do it, you know, kind of virtual. So we've already been filming some, some people talking about what the Clemente museum means to them. And we're going to have a hell of a cast. We got uh, Steve Blass and Manny Sanguian and Cervelli's going to do one. I already filmed Josh Bell cause he's here in Pittsburgh training. And so we're going to do this uh, virtual kind of fundraiser and, and reach out to people. And if we can't, you know, give $21, if you give $21 to the Clemente Museum, we can build our elevator. And that's what we're going to do with all the money that, that comes in for 2020 and, and first half of 2021 is to do an elevator 
So when Mrs. Zimmerman comes back, I'll be able to take her upstairs and show her the hundreds of things that are up there, not just the silver bat. Um, there's, there's a ton, a ton of things on the second uh, floor. Um, one of my favorite pieces, which has nothing to do with Roberto Clemente, um, Dwayne is an amazing photographer. Yeah. And the last time I went, he has a section, which I believe you said you had a wedding reception there, right? And there's a photo of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yes. Kneeling. It's the prayer. And yes. Dwayne took this photo. And it is one of the most amazing photos I've ever seen. And he has a giant blown up version of this photo there. And that helps remember the story that helped save the building. I was going to have to sell the building because my account mate messed up on my taxes and I owed the IRS $60,000. And so channel four did a story on me about that photograph and the Steeler nation caught wind of it. And it went viral back in 2006 before the word viral was a word. And so it's, it helped me pay off the IRS. I took the staff to the Super Bowl because we ended up going to the Super Bowl in 2006. But I, I paid off all the debt and I didn't have to sell the building, which meant I would have had to sell my Clemente stuff. So God has uh, ways of, you know, kind of making sure that the Clemente Museum stays here. I'm looking for the photo online so I can show it. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, it's up in my studio. I can run up there if you want. I mean, yeah, that I look. That's the best better than anything I can pull up online. <laughs> yeah, this piece is is amazing, Vince. Um, like I said, with with all the stuff he has there, just he's a um, a wonderful photographer. I believe he trained on the Les Banos. Um, I don't forget. All of your stories stick here. Uh, Dwayne has, has some amazing stuff. I'm walking up the steps. Right. Last time I was there, Dwayne, I actually went live on Facebook, and it just didn't do it justice. No, now this place is a mess up here. We we haven't had any, we haven't had visitors in here. Wow. Yeah, there it is. Oh wow. Dwayne took that photo in the moment. Look how beautiful that is. That's a really gorgeous photo. Troy Palomalo's holding hands with Jerome Bennett. I mean, I would just be disappointed if every single Pittsburgh fan of any sport hadn't been to this museum yet. I mean, this Tough. like I'm trying to like imagine this. Like as a baseball fan, I'm like beyond ecstatic to be witnessing this, but I can't imagine if it was like all Yankee stuff in there, you know, or like your favorite teams. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. One of my favorite. Yeah, that's a good piece. Yeah, one of my favorite non-Clemente pieces is the uh, the pitching rubber you have. Oh yeah, the Bob Gibson. The Bob Gibson pitching rubber. Well, I'm up here now. I might as well show you. Nice segue. Got <laughs> <laughs> a little bench over here. Yeah. I'm like a kid in the candy store. I'm just like, go go here, go here. <laughs> Are these, hopefully we get Dwayne back, are those all Clemente bats? No, I don't think those are. Okay. Are they? No. What, game bats? Yeah, yeah. what, what are those bats? bats? What's the significance? The, the bats are all game bats given to me by Albert Pujols and El Tuve and oh, wow. Zim, Zimmerman and uh, Josh Bell and you name it, you name it. 
Wow. Um, I've got probably 100. Now be ready. Here we go. Dwayne, your camera's off. Your camera. Oh. oh, someone's calling in. That's why. <laughs> uh, I can't. Uh, and call them more about it. Tell them you'll call them later. <laughs> I know. There we go. Coming back. Coming back. There we go. Okay. So apologize. Hold on. We've been filming in here, so. Have you met Altuve and like all those guys, I assume, yeah. that to you in person? Yeah, those are the guys that I would give the Clemente bat to. So I gave um, Carlos Correa being Puerto Rican. I, I knew he'd get freaky excited about the, the bat. So I gave him and Altuve one, took a portrait of the two of them with their arms around each other. I got the, the nicest portrait of those two guys ever. Um, and so, yeah, I met everybody that those, those bats are in there. I've met them all. Half of them, or maybe two-thirds of them, have been here to the museum. Late nights, they come in late night, they bring me bats, the word spread around the league that Dwayne likes bats, bring them a bat, <laughs> and then I don't charge them an admittance fee. So they save 20 bucks, right? Yeah, there. Hey, that's worth it, man. <laughs> yeah. Just so you, Dwayne, just so you know, you can always get Altuve's attention by banging a garbage can with the bat. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, can we have you on record as saying Altuve was your least favorite visitor? Or is that, is that <laughs> We could say that. We could say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wayne, show, show that piece with the balls. I love that piece. Oh, that's beautiful, too. Each baseball is signed by a baseball player. Wow. That, event that has been here on a tour. Very right? nice. Yeah. Do you, you, you mentioned obviously the story with Zimmerman's parents. Are there any specific players who stick out in your mind where you were like, that was my favorite visit? Um, you know, any, any players that you really take to heart from visiting there besides Baez? Uh, oh boy, there's so, so many. Um, yeah, right here. There's my favorite right there. Can you see it? Not yet. Ooh. Right here. I can't see, can see it. I can't make out the autograph, though. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Number 50. <laughs> who is it? Is that Posada? No, but oh, my God. The Posada one's right here. That's a good story. That was incredible. He came with his Yankee uniform on, remember? I did. No. <laughs> this is uh, – You did tell me that story. Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts came here. It was right around his 21st birthday, and I poured him his first glass of red wine ever. No and way. He, oh, man. Yeah. That's a, that one, you don't you, you see how many stories he has? You can just drop yeah, that. Right? Yeah. That one just came out of left field. <laughs> and right when, now, and when um, he saw the silver bat, now he's, he just came up for his cup of coffee when we play him, right, in September the year before his rookie season. And he's like a little kid. And he's with uh, Bogarts, a couple other players, and their announcer, they have a famous announcer, Tony, Tony Castigliera. Yeah. Yeah. Castigliera, yeah. So he's kind of helping fill in for Mookie. I didn't know. I thought Mookie was a stat man. I didn't know that he was even a player. He was a skinny little kid. I was going to say he's not right? that big of a guy, right? No. And I think he's very nerdy, you know. And so we show, we, we're talking about the silver bat, and he goes, what's that for? Why is there a silver bat? And Bogart's like, Bogart goes, are you kidding me, dude? That's what you get for winning the batting title. You're going to win one of those next year. And I was like, 
wait a minute, he's a player? So he didn't, <laughs> he didn't, know, he didn't know what the Silver Slugger Award was? No, it was so That's cute. Hilarious. It was like the oh. cutest thing in the world. Yeah, you, you should have poured him a second glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Can we that see is, the Silver Slugger Award? You want to get close? Yeah, please. Well, I'm spinning you around. Don't get, you're going to get seasick here. <laughs> oh, um, man. It looks distinguished. Yeah, there it is. Uh, probably weird reflections. Are those things and it's a heavy? little. What's that? I said, are those heavy? Like, is it? Uh, it's 54 ounces. Oh, wow. 54 ounces. Heavy. And it's silver. Sil it's real silver. Okay. Um, but it's hollow in the middle. And, that, and that's, yeah, and that's why it's got on the back side is where the dents are. So okay. Okay. that's a cool piece. 61. So I'm Let's curious, go. Dwayne, Dwayne, how do you not display that with the dents visible? Yeah, well, I want to build something. I think we were talking about it. I want to rotate it. When somebody says, let me see the dents, I can nice. spin something. So I'm yeah. working on that. That's but here's cool. the, uh, the Bob Gibson. Yeah, there's the pitching rubber, yeah. Wow. Yeah, with like lots of good stuff. Um, Dwayne, you, you grew up obviously watching Roberto. Is there, are there any players since him who kind of have the same game to you, you know, that reminded you of him? Um, anyone, anyone resemble his style? I, I'd say Mookie Betts. You know, it's so funny that he came here, and sure enough, he goes on. I mean, he's a superstar. I mean, he had one bad yes. half of a season there, but that kid, the way he runs and throws and play and hits, I mean, he's got it all. He's 5-2 all the way, you know, so pretty similar to Roberto, but no one will ever be like Roberto. No one played with that. You know, the way Roberto ran, the way Roberto moved, you would know it's him. He could be totally silhouetted, and you'd be like, there goes Roberto Clemente. Right. You know, that's, um, so uh, no one's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's unofficially off the record who that might be modeled after. Yeah, our, our logo may have Oh, been I see it. I see it. I know that. I know that show. Mm -hmm. I probably, I have that print here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we got a couple good couple good pieces going on here um but those photos are hard to beat right oh i mean oh, absolutely it's amazing like i said every time i go it's like the first time i'm just in awe i'm running up the steps and like here's here's my little puerto rican corner here now we have a show going on in puerto rico you guys know about that no. i do i was gonna that was one of my questions outside of the tra traveling to puerto rico are you traveling to other places as well well, we'll probably move that show maybe to Florida or something eventually. It's, it's kind of trapped in Puerto Rico now with COVID. Yeah. Um, we just got it open down there. We transformed a whole uh, museum in Guayanabo, a suburb of San Juan, transformed a whole museum, got open for like two weeks, and then COVID hit, and, and we had to close the show. So it's sitting down there. Uh, I think it's going to open this week. So if anybody's in Puerto Rico, they should check it out. I'm going to make some calls tomorrow to see, you know, are they going to want to keep it there for a little bit? What's our plan? And then where are we going to move it to next? We're opening a show Latino baseball with the Smithsonian, uh, October 9th. Wow. Um, we're going to be at the Smithsonian, Washington, DC, and they have, they're going to have a few of my Clemente contracts. They're going to have a San Juan Senator's Jersey maybe one of his bats. So it's Latinos in baseball, but Roberto's going to be kind of the star, kind of the staple of the whole thing. And then they're going to go all the way into Pujols and Pudge and Robbie Alomar. 
you know, the whole history of Latino baseball. So it should be, that's going to be cool. That's at the Smithsonian in DC. So um, I, I know for me, one of my favorite um, things about why I call him the goat <laughs> um, is his humanitarian side, but on the field, the fact that he is the gatekeeper to 3000 and he ended his career with exactly 3000 hits and anyone who enters that club essentially greets Roberto Clemente at, at his entrance. Yes. What is your favorite memory of Roberto Clemente on the field? Oh boy. Um, you know, it's going to be when I, when I go to Forbes field, so I'm old enough just to catch the last two years of Forbes field. And we go with my, my uncle um, who lived down here. We got to come down and go to this game, walk out when you went to Forbes field, which was Clemente's, you know, Clemente plays uh, 16 years of his career is at Forbes field. Only two, two are at uh, two and a half are at three rivers. Um, they, they move over in, uh, halfway through the 70 season. Um, so 16 years of his career at Forbes, that was his life, right? He basically grew up in Forbes field. So to walk out, uh, you know, the tunnel, not onto the field, walk out the tunnel just to get to the seats. And there's Roberto standing in right field, right? And see him and watch him just running. And, I mean, it's just unbelievable. So stuff like that sticks. You know, I never got to see him make one of those throws. I only got to come down to Pittsburgh once or twice a year and see him play. Um, but just if you got a glimpse at him, just the, like I say, the way he ran, the way he, the helmet would fly off, he would slide into home base, you know, home plate with his hands up like a matador or a ballet dancer. There's no one that played, you know, like Roberto. He was very unique, uh, a little unorthodox, you know, his hitting style too. You know, when people come up here, and they see, it's kind of dark in here right now, but the 3,000 hit, right? He's hitting that off his front foot. And, and then batting coaches will tell you, you know, that's, that's not the perfect batting stance. Well, it worked for him 3,000 times, yeah. you know? So and, he, he was unique. He was that, unique. That's a question we're getting in the comments. We've seen a lot of Vlad Sr. comparisons. Do you think that that's uh, – was he a yeah. bad ball hitter like that? Yeah, and I used to, you know, back in the old days in the 90s and stuff, I, I got the photograph of Vlad three different times when he was a rookie in the middle of his career and at the end of his career. And I kind of, I love that guy. I've got a, I got a game bat hanging in the bat room in there. Um, he, he played that Latino baseball, man. He played all out. He didn't care if he got hurt. He was going to throw as hard as he could, run as fast as he could, hit as hard as he could. And that's exactly what Roberto would do. You know, just just play all out. Where some guys, you know, I think might might you know they don't want to get hurt. They that's all they're they're thinking about that. If you're thinking about it, you're probably going to get hurt. Yeah. You know, so Vlad would be he's a, he would be a great one. Yeah, love that guy. Have you met his son yet? Has he been Not, out? Well, here's a sad story. So I was going to have the Blue Jays here. This is June. They were going to be here in June, pre pre COVID. And Robbie Olimar called me and booked a place to have a, an event here for the whole team. Wow. I was going to get to have the whole team here. That's right. You guys, you guys play the AL East. Well, we're supposed to play the AL East this year. Yeah. Yeah, we were going to have the Yankees. The, 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 I was going to get Mookie 
Well, no, Mookie got traded at that point. Yeah, Mookie's on now. The Dodgers. Dodgers you can get him anyway, maybe. <laughs> I'll get Mookie because I, I, I'm going to say a name, and and this guy played very much like Roberto. Gets a little more hot-headed than Roberto, but Puig, Puig and I are are buddies, I'm and a big uh, fan. he plays all out, and he's been here five times, wow. and he would drag the whole Dodger team over here, the team <laughs> bus, the cameraman, the audio guy. And we did, a, we did a tour one night till about three in the morning. And they filmed a, a story about the museum and the winery and Roberto Clemente and showed it in L.A., a 20-minute piece, you know, during rain delays and things like that. And it was all because Puig drug those people over here. So, yes, we see he's very emotional. He's a, you know, he's a pretty much a, a kid that came to America, you know, with no money and becomes a superstar in Hollywood not LA, Hollywood, right. you know, so he, he plays all out and he gets a little aggressive and he'll get in a fight or two, but, but he's, you know, he's a hell of a player. You can't deny that kid. If he's around, something's going to happen. So similar to Roberto. I have to ask for my own personal uh, benefit here. What you mentioned Jorge Posada earlier, have any of the current Yankees made it out? I mean, I know they're not there often. Have they made it out there yet? Uh, I, so Aaron judge was on his way. Uh, I'm friends with the head of security. Um, here goes my battery again. Um, hopefully I don't lose you guys. Um, head of security of the Yankees is half Puerto Rican. And he, every time he's in Pittsburgh, I lay out the red carpet for him. Eddie fast took his, his name is unbelievable guy. So he sets up the team bus. They're going to come over judge decided at the last minute to take a nap and stay in and try to get a couple of hits the next day. But I gave, uh, we gave Tanaka, um, not the catcher, not the, not Sanchez, Severino, Severino. Severino, yeah. Yeah. I had a couple of the guys one night, about, about six or eight of them came, a couple interpreters, one of the, one of the uh, manager, not the manager, but one of the coaches, mm-hmm. you know, so they came over. That was like judge's rookie year. It yeah. would have been – oh, I would have – he'd be in that case right there. That would have been, it have been I, have, I have a feeling you'll, you'll get judged there. Don't worry. Yeah. We'll get him. He's young. He's young. And he'll – he wears my 21 shirt. So, I, I, I sent a 3X. He wears 3X. I sent a 21 black and white shirt with Eddie to give to him as a gift. And about a month in, I never heard anything. And so, I texted. I said, Eddie, is, does judge ever – has he ever worn the 21 shirt? And he goes – Jesus, Dwayne, haven't you seen? He wears it every every game. He won't take it off. The only time he took it off is because MLB gave him a, a 42 shirt that he wore it on Jackie Robinson Day. Other than that, under the pinstripes, he's got the Clemente shirt on. I'm like, Good bit of trivia. That's like you're saying me and Aaron Judge have something in common. Yeah, I, I like That's that. Right. I That's like right. that. You mentioned the Santuse shirt. You actually, I don't know if you remember – you got me some shirts last time I was there, and I really fell in love with the Santusa shirt. You had it on. Um, uh-huh, see. You showed see. me a bunch of shirts, and I wanted that one. And you didn't have any. I think Vince gave me the tour, which Vince is a uh-huh. great, great tour guy. Vince is awesome. Makes sense. <laughs> and here comes Dwayne maybe 30 minutes later, sweating out of nowhere with a one 3x from downstairs i don't know where he pulled it from and he found it for me actually that is my favorite shirt that you guys have and i have it in the other room 
But yeah, yeah I remember that, and I appreciate that. Sure, sure. Well, Dwayne, um, I know that uh, you're you're running low on time here, but what do you? Let's just get your take here on uh, on the current state of the game. Do you think we're going to have baseball? Um, do you do you know anything as far as the situation? I would hate to start a rumor, um, but I think they're going to play. Yeah, I think, you know, some of the guys are coming into Pittsburgh right now to start training. Mm -hmm. So I'm hearing a little bit of that. Like I say, Josh Bell's been over there hitting. I hope they have a little season because he said he's, he's hitting the best he's ever hit in his life. Oh. And it would be so cool to see some kind of a, a, a little, you know, season, a half season, quarter season, something. Just so, we, you know, we're starving for baseball. You can't uh oh. I lost you guys again. There's that phone call. Um sorry, we can hear you. Oh now we can't. Yeah, I think his battery died. But, that's uh, it, yeah. If he doesn't call back in, Dwayne, thank you so much. That yes. was awesome. Um, like I said, you can be in that museum literally for hours. What you saw is a fraction of some of the awesome memorabilia he has, some of the stories that he uh, he shares on the tour. We'll link the, the website address. Wonderful place to go. Um, Vince, let's transition over to the current state of the game. Yeah, absolutely. We'll use the last few minutes here. That was clementemuseum.com, by the way. I posted earlier. We'll post it again when we post the links tomorrow morning. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we you know, we've got a few counter proposals that, that took place this week, uh, apparently not moving the needle too much, but essentially owners saying – <laughs> instead of taking a scale back on uh, or instead of us paying you everything on a 48 game season, we can do a 76 game season, but we don't want to pay you everything. And the money basically didn't change at all. Um, just the games. Now, as Dwayne just said, and Henry, I know that we've kind of been waffling on this. It's June 8th, which two weeks ago, I said, this was the doomsday date in my mind. Like if you don't have something by June 8th, you're not getting that 81 game season. Um, I still I, – I tend to agree with Dwayne. I think we're going to have something. I think we're going to have at least a 48-game season. I don't personally care that much about a 48-game season. It doesn't it, – whoever wins that, is, it's never going to feel right, although maybe 20 years from now people will forget about it. Who knows? Uh, I think we'll get something, but certainly this looks like it is a long-haul issue. Yeah, I saw a photo somewhere that broke down um, – let me see if I can find it. It broke down the number, the percentage of salaries the players were giving up. So yeah. with the 50 game, with the 82 game, and with the 76 game proposal that the owners gave, the, the players still had to give up 33% of their salary. So they're just playing with numbers at this point. Yeah. Um, the proposals, money-wise, isn't changing. The number of games is being played with to make it look like they're engaging in negotiations. Um, we saw a proposal where the players proposed 100 plus games. So, yeah, 114. It, it seems like they're in a, a dong measuring contest and, and <laughs> a contest at this point because I none of these proposals seem to be realistic um, in terms of money. So I I don't know where we're going from here. I was very optimistic that we were going to have a good chunk of baseball. I I don't know anymore. I don't know. Yeah, well, we were optimistic because it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever not to have baseball from either the player or the owner's standpoint because we all know, you know, as people who follow baseball, after 2021, they're right back at the negotiating table because the CBA expires. And then you're talking about a multi-year debate. 
this is just for this season, but it's pretty clear now to me, which maybe I underestimated at first, that they both know whatever they concede now, whatever way it moves now in the tug of war, that's going to put them behind the eight ball. Whoever loses this, that puts them behind the eight ball for the next negotiation, and that's a multi-year one. I think that is the crux of the issue is that um, – you know, the player, it's like this, the players want as many regular season games as possible and they want to be paid for all of them. They make the most money that way. The owners want as many playoff games as possible and as little regular season games as possible because they make the most profit that way. So that's really what the debate is over. And that's why you're seeing the proposals vary as far as games go. Um, and as far as the, how much we want to pay, you, you haven't seen the owners actually concede on games and pay just on the games. Yeah, and in fact, the players were the ones who proposed, which I still think outrageously, the deferred salary, which benefits the owners right now. So I I don't understand what's going on. But like you said, I I think a lot of it is posturing for the upcoming negotiations. Um, And and it's, you know, it's the thing of, like you said, if we lose here, we're going to remember that when we start negotiating that new CBA. And I, I don't see how we don't have a strike at some point. Right. I mean, at at this point, if you had asked me a month ago, I would have said we're probably having that 81 game season, whether it's deferred money, whether they agree on a pro rata amount, whatever it was, we're going to have that 81 game season. That makes the most sense, maybe even 90 games. Now I think 48 is probably most realistic. I think owners are kicking the can right now, just kicking it down the road, waiting for more days to melt away. I think so. Um, until it forces their hand. They have a nuclear option that's going to force the players to play. It's in the CBA. Um, but if that happens, I think you're almost guaranteed to strike after 2021. Yeah, I think they're just, like you said, they're dragging their ass. Um, yeah, owners know that they can win this round. The only question is, how much collateral damage do you want by winning this? They can win right now forcing the players that 48 game season, they'll pay them all 48 games. They'll probably look good to people who aren't following this, you know, being like, Oh yeah, players should be happy. They're getting paid for their work. Well, that's not really the case. They could have played twice the amount of games. Owners don't want to. And uh, you know, they, they can pull that option. There's nothing much the players can do except get revenge after 2021. So that's really what we're up against. One, one of the things in the proposal that made me laugh was the they're getting rid of the draft compensation thing, which let, let's be real, that, that handcuffs the players anyway. And right. we're only talking about a handful of players that that affects. So that, that's really no concession. That's just a bullet point that they put there to say, oh, we're conceding this. You really aren't. That's not a, a, something that, uh, you know, a bone that you really throw with any meat on it. Yeah, I mean, all that does is further hurts big market teams, and the big market teams are the ones who spend. So as far as I'm looking at it, that's actually worse for the players, not the specific players, but players in general. You're going to be looking at an even shittier free agency because it's going to kill the markets that those players would would otherwise go to. Yeah, but I think everyone's just getting pissed off. Fans are getting pissed off, and and you're, you're starting to see some steam picking up finally where fans are like, wait, this is really on the owners. You know, we're blaming the players, but this is on the owners. The owners are dragging their ass. Look at these shitty proposals. And I'm glad it's getting out because the owners have been horrible in this negotiation. Yeah, I will say this is the first time ever in my life in any sport that I think, and maybe it's because of the political climate in general, that I think people are starting to get it when it comes to these negotiations. The 94 strike, I was a little kid, but I don't remember uh, people blaming owners. All the NBA lockouts, all the NHL lockouts, the NFL 
CBA negotiations, every time we've been in that midnight hour previously with MLB where we didn't get a strike, everyone always has blamed the players in the past. And I don't know if it's because of COVID, if it's because of these $2 trillion bailouts we've done, if it's because I've, I'm 32 and I've already seen big, big corporations get bailed out twice by our government. I don't know if it has to do with any of those things, but this seems to be the time where maybe people are starting to get fed up and they're starting to see, hey, these billionaires are pulling strings. They think we're stupid. They're offering things that you do a simple math equation, you'll figure out it, it's bullshit. I, that makes me excited. There's still some out there, especially on Twitter, who don't get it. But this is the first time where, and, and baseball life probably has a lot to do with this. It's a smarter clientele than most baseball fans. They're getting it. They're starting to understand. The destination for baseball information. We are very selective with who we let in our group for a reason, and that's it. It's what distinguishes us from the shitty groups, the groups where people just fight and troll all day. We're different. We have guests like Dwayne on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I, and we can probably, you know, wrap it up there. We'll get more to, I think, a, a week from today, we'll really know what sort of, what, what we're looking at. Because a week from today, now you're starting to talk about a mid-July to late-July start date. Yeah. Uh, and then you're, you're basically in that 48-game season range. Pages are just coming off the calendar and, and just... Yeah, and owners are celebrating at our expense, at the players' expense. Um, you know, everyone else involved, all the all the workers are, you know, all of them getting screwed, um, except the owners. They're just protecting their pockets. But a week from today, we should at least know. Maybe it'll be a little bit more of a movement as far as bullshit proposals. So we'll be able to get to that. But this was a nice break, I think. Um, we got to learn a lot about Roberto Clemente. We had a lot of cool player stories. I definitely suggest going back. If you, if you just joined us later, go back and listen to this whole thing because Dwayne is an encyclopedia of cool baseball stories. That, that was just the tip of the iceberg. Like I said, when I go there, it's a two hour minimum. And I've been to that place many times and, and I, I always find another gem. I always find something amazing that prayer photo with the with Steelers was just amazing to me. There's just, he didn't get to tell you, but in the basement, there is a winery, which is cool. And you get to see the vats of wine that the players purchase. And so you, you, you talk about a, a photography studio, a museum, and then a winery. I mean, how, how much cooler can it possibly get? Yeah, that is super cool. Um, James lobbying us for a special draft show. <laughs> we will, we will look into that James. Um, but, uh, yeah, I will, you know, the, the thing that makes me most excited about this entire episode is that I have been scouring my brain to come up with a third location to get a bat, right? Because I want three really memorable bats. My first one's from Cooperstown. The other one's from the Louisville Slugger Museum. Field of Dreams, as far as I know, doesn't sell bats. Yankee Stadium doesn't sell bats. So I'm like, where would the third place be that's like baseball mecca? And now Dwayne just answered all of my questions. I can, when I finally get to Pittsburgh, finally see where the Pirates play, go to the Roberto Clemente Museum, I will buy a bet. I am, have my word. He left that gem out. So what he does, guys, is he has a replica made by Marucci of the 36-39 bat that Clemente swung. So it's an actual replica of his bat, which he sells and gives to players to use during games and stuff. So you can actually purchase that um, at the museum. Yeah, very cool. So I will be going on this website as soon as I get off here. Um, I'd suggest everyone else do the same. 
uh, definitely a shirt or something. I love the Pirates colors anyway. So it's, uh, that's, that's where I'm headed right now. Um, Henry, you have any last words here before we uh, sign off for the night? Like you said, this show, I was excited for when the podcast started. I said, Vince, I'm going to get this guy. Vince was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And then it got closer. And then I, I, I think I text you uh, Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I said, I got him. And, you know, I went into the group and I was like, I got him. And, you know, I'm just very excited. Um, we have a lot of comments. Look, we've been on for 100 minutes right now. Um, and our guys are still on, still commenting. I think that shows uh, how important this show was and, and how exciting and, and interesting everyone found Dwayne. And um, like Vince said, please go back and listen to the podcast. I'm going to listen to it tomorrow while I work. Yeah, we'll have to have him back down the line again. I feel like we have another two hours of content at least. Totally. Next time I go, I'll probably live stream. But yeah, we we can definitely get him back again. Um, I'm I'm definitely excited. I had a good time, Vince. This was great. Yeah, totally glad we did this. Absolutely. So this has been Dong City. Look out for the potential Roberto Clemente museum or uh, movie once he's been made into a saint. And uh, I'm hoping for 2022 on that one then. One more thing, Henry Aaron Judge was the same size. That's right. Triple XL, baby. <laughs> Have a good night. Dog City, bitches. <laughs>